I know what some of you are thinking. (laughs) I know what you're thinking. You're thinking it's pretty late and he's going to start preaching. Aren't you thinking that? Yeah. Thanks for your honesty. Uh, But uh, I'm going to cut a little short, okay? Is that all right with you? It's no, go longer, go longer. (laughs) Anyway, I want to talk about uh, the importance of sharing our faith. Uh, We've talked about that. Uh, We've talked about how critical and how important it is that the task that God has given to us. It's interesting that in every case in the scripture, as Jesus is preparing to leave, he's completed his mission, but he hasn't. It's incomplete, and it requires ongoing, uh, uh, continued uh, work in this area. And so Jesus says in, in John chapter 20, he says, as the father has sent me, so I am sending you. Um, he said in Matthew, uh, go and make disciples of all nations. And so he comes to the end of his life on earth. He's prepared to leave. He shares, drops this, uh, this mission on us and he's gone. And uh, his plan, as we've looked over the last couple of weeks, his plan and his strategy is, guess what? You are his plan. I'm his plan. The strategy has been given to us uh, to continue this unfinished work uh, that he has done. And this is a a priority uh, for the church, for you and me. It came as a command, uh, not as... A suggestion. It's irretractable. I think I made that. I, I think I made that work, word up. But you know, he, he's not pulling it off the table with us. It's mandatory, and he will judge us for what we do in terms of fulfilling his mission. Um, Dr. David Larson, one of the uh, uh, professor that I had, had, had talked about the importance and the priority of the mission in this way. He said, there's a theological priority. That is that all of us have sinned. All of us have, have that relationship with God broken. All of us are sinners in need of salvation. And so there's a theological priority to it. He says there's a biblical priority as well. That is that God has committed, uh, uh, communicated with us and commanded us what we are to do. Um, the truth uh, that we are given is to be shared by uh, to others. This biblical priority that we have is to get this message out. But he says there's also a practical priority. That is, we need to hear it. Um, without, without this, people are eternally separated from God. In, in fact, in Romans 10 and 14, it says this. How can they believe if they've never heard? And how can they hear without someone to tell them? And, and how do they tell them unless they're sent? So there's this very practical priority that if we don't tell them, there's nobody to tell them. He says there's a chronological priority, and that is coming to faith is the logical first step when we talk about what God wants for us is to make disciples. 
passionate followers of Jesus Christ. But you can't start that journey until you step over the line of faith. Somebody shares that and God opens your heart and brings you into the family of God. So there's a practical priority, a a chronological priority, because we're to grow and mature and to become like Jesus, but it starts with becoming a follower of Christ. And then there's a temporal temporal priority, and, and that is this. I want you to think about this. Of the things that we do now, we're going to worship. When this life is over for us, we're in the presence of God. We're going to worship. We're going to fellowship with other members of the body of Christ, with other believers. We're going to learn. There's one thing that we're not going to do. We're not going to be sharing our faith. I mean, it'll be over at that point. That There's no opportunity past that to do something. So this is really time-dated. If this isn't done now, if a person dies, if they leave, uh, then we find out uh, that, that there's nothing more that can be done for them. And so there's some urgency in it to that. Uh, it is that has a best before date. The thing is, we don't know what that date is for each of us, do we? We, we need to just be faithful in doing what God has called us to do. Well, uh, he says this, but the Apostle Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 2, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the time. It, it may not be the time in, in, in 30 years or 10 years or, or three months. Now is the time. And so I know some of you are thinking, oh, great. All I needed was a guilt trip. Because I know I'm supposed to be doing something, but, uh, you know, I don't know. It just, it's just kind of not me. Because we have these models. And, and some of these models are these bold people, outgoing people, people who are, who, who are uh, brash and just put it out there. And they've got maybe a lot of knowledge. And, and we think, yeah, that is it, that's the work for them to do. Uh, but, but for us, for normal people who aren't that outgoing maverick, who, who, who it, our personality isn't that, to go into a coffee shop and say, hey, I, I want to tell you something. Everybody listen up here. No, no, most of us aren't like that and wouldn't do something like that. And yet Christ's command is irrevocable. He didn't say this is an option for you. He didn't rescind it. And so we, we, we've got to figure out, like, Lord, you asked us to do this, and some of us, you, you didn't make as really bold, brash kind of people, and, and I'm not sure how we're supposed to get this done. And if you're there, then I, I hope some of what we say will be helpful to you, and, and what we do will be helpful to us. There's an African proverb, you know it, um, that says this, it takes a village to raise a child, right? You know that proverb, right? There's a lot of truth to it. May I suggest to you a variant on that? I want to tell you it takes a whole church to reach out. It takes a whole church, not just, not just that gifted, uh, outgoing person with, with the, who, who can engage anybody in a conversation. I'm talking about people like you and me, ordinary, normal people who, who may not be so bold and brass uh, out and putting it out there in that way. The whole church was given the commission. It takes a whole church to fulfill the Great Commission. 
uh, to call people to become followers of Jesus Christ. And, and when we think about it, and, and we talk about outreach, the task of being gifted in, in, in outreach um, is people who are not like me. So what about people like me? Well, I want to say something to you. We are, as a corporate body, to bear witness to the person of Jesus. This isn't just for a few people. This is for every one of us who collectively are a part of the body of Christ. And one of the images that has been presented uh, most frequently about uh, about the church is that we're a body, and a body has a whole lot of parts. In fact, the Apostle Paul would say this in Ephesians 16. He said, from Jesus, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Did you get that? It's a whole body that is fit together. And and when that whole body is working, it grows. It grows spiritually. It grows numerically, working together with all of the parts. Now, our body's made up of a lot of systems. We've got a cardiovascular system. We've got got a a skeletal system. We've got a muscular system and and all of the the parts, all of the, the glands and things that make up the whole. But, but what we need to see is that God made each one of us different. Uh, Paul would talk in 1 Corinthians uh, 12 about the body. You know, the, the whole body isn't an eye. We talked about this last week. Or it's not an ear. Or it's not this. The whole body is all these various different parts. Some seen, some not seen. But are all are absolutely critical uh, to making this thing work. We all function together with all of the different gifts that God has given to us, with all the passions, and we all make unique contributions to the whole. We were never supposed to do it alone. That's why God never gave one person all the gifts. Each of us have different gifts, and we need each other. We need uh, being placed in a body. We need the other people with other gifts and abilities to work with us. I know we, we sang that, uh, we've sung that song, I need you, you need me. We're part of God's body. And that's so true. And so when we think about, oh, it's my sig- singular responsibility, well, no, it's not just your responsibility. It's the, whole, it's the responsibility of the whole body. We need to recognize that we need others and we can only f- function effectively when all of us are working together. We are a commissioned people. We're a part of a team. When you became a believer, and I said this a couple of weeks ago, when you became a believer, you didn't realize everything that was involved in being a believer, but you didn't probably realize that you were joining a community uh, who are going to outreach to the world, that that's you, that that's for you now as well. And we're talking about Alpha, and uh, the Alpha course, uh, I... I've been using the Alpha course since about 92 or 93. And it's interesting to see how this all came together. It started with, uh, it started with a pastor um, who ju- was trying to help his people understand their faith better. So he said, come on over every Wednesday night. We'll have, we'll have some soup and bread and we'll talk about different items and aspects of our faith. Well, he started doing that, but people came 
And they started discovering what the Christian faith was about. And they started, so from something that was to help them grow in their faith, it became something that was helping people to understand the faith and become followers of Jesus Christ. So this was constructed over years. So they did this course, and then they started to tweak it a little bit. And then you hear all of the the people in the background of this, um, judges and people who have weighed in. We have... In, in the church at large, we've got people, scholars who, who work in academics to help us, to furnish information. We've got people in, in, uh, in the, the Alpha course who were researching and testing and editing and promoting and marketing so that there were thousands of Alpha groups around the world in, in, no, in, in a great number of languages. Uh, us, uh, our ability to be able to show this in Mandarin is so great. But it was everybody working together. And, and when we come to our church and we think about running Alpha, well, we're thinking about the, the planning and the organization and the administration of it. We're thinking of doing graphic designs and, and help it, having people who are promoting it, people who are praying, people who are in hospitality, people who are cooking, people who are table leaders, people who are setting up and tearing down, uh, people who, who are um, in, inviting others, people who are praying uh, it takes everybody to make it work. See, but we, we have this thing, well, it's this maverick. It's this, it's this gal who's really great at sharing her faith or this guy who's really great at sharing his faith. But no, it's all of us together that make the whole work. All of us being gifted by God in different ways to do and, and make an impact. And so this isn't about trying to change you and your personality and your style to be somebody you, that, that, that you're not at all. This is about God using you in ways that are, are uh, in agreement with who you are and in harmony with that, in ways that he made you, that you can make a contribution also to the whole. It's together that we do it. Now, um, we're going to be starting next week a series of messages uh, called Thy Kingdom Come, and it's the, the Sermon on the Mount from Jesus. But I'm going to do something just for our last few minutes. I'm going to skip ahead, and I'm going to grab uh, four verses that I want us to focus on just as we close out this morning. Uh, we are to have an impact on others. We weren't to hide. We weren't to to, to be away or, or, or not, uh, not engaging with people. We are to, be, um, to have an impact on others. And to have an impact, we've got to have some kind of contact with them. So we're going to uh, skip ahead to th- four verses in the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we start here. Jesus calls us to be the salt of the earth. The salt of of the earth. Listen to what, uh, listen to what he says. He, he says, you are the salt of the earth. I, I just need to pause here for a second. In English, when we say you, we could be talking about you, or we could be talking about you. He's, Jesus is talking about you, you all. I guess you, we've got to go to the south for that. Y'all, y'all are the salt of the earth. Look, at you, you're, you're, that's what you do. And if the salt loses its saltiness, 
how can it again be made salty? You're no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Now, salt was really an important thing in those days. Um, In fact, Roman soldiers often got paid in salt. And when they were paid in salt, and here's where the expression comes from. He wasn't worth his salt. Have you heard that expression? That's what it comes from. They were paid that, and they're saying, well, he wasn't worth his payment, his salt. But salt is used in so many ways, and Jesus uses this picture, this metaphor. Salt was used for fertilizer. It was used for uh, establishing a covenant, the salt of the covenant. Uh, It was used for uh, purifying things. You could disinfect wounds with it. It was a preservative, uh, kept meat and fish when they didn't have... uh, they didn't have uh, fridges and freezers. Uh, and, and you'll even see meat hanging uh, in, a, in a butcher shop. And it's not refrigerated and it doesn't go bad. It's salt. The salt uh, is a preservative. It keeps it from spoiling and going bad. And flavor, it brings this flavor to food. Um, and, you know, I, sometimes I've, I will eat at somebody's home or somebody's table who they maybe had um, somebody in the family who's had some heart issues and they're cutting salt out of the diet (laughs) if I know these people really well I said could you give me some salt please because it's so bland right Um, and, and so Christians are to to be this flavor wherever we are and the other thing it does is it makes you thirsty. You ever, uh, and not that I would ever do this, but some people eat potato chips. And, uh, and you, you eat them for a while, and then oh, you say, I, just, I need a drink, I need a drink. And, and so we're to be salt. We're to be salt. We're to be the kind of people that go into our, in our home or in our workplace or, or in our neighborhood, and, and we're salt. We have an impact for Christ as his representative with them. Uh, we, we reach out to help them. Uh, we, we're cognizant of those who seem low, lonely or, or uh, we, people who, who need their world brightened up. And God places us somewhere that we can be to them something that they need to see concern for fairness or a joy imparted or love and affirmation and uh, God calls us to be that kind of person. Uh, let me ask you, does your life cause people to thirst to know Jesus Christ? Do they look at you, what Peter said in 1 Peter 3.15, that, that um, our life ought to be such that it begs a question, why do you have hope in your life? That's the kind of life that we're supposed to have, Jesus said. But he says this, if it loses its saltiness, and, and sometimes they would have mineral deposits and dirt, and they would get uh, salt out of marshes and stuff like that, and some, sometimes the, the saltiness can leach out. He said, if it's not salty anymore, it's good for nothing. All you can do is just throw it out on the pathway and, and people trample it. It's good for nothing. He calls us collectively, you all, to be salt in our world but he goes on also to say this he said we're also to be the light of the world 
the light of the world. God calls us to be the light of the world. Now you're saying, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Um, God is the light of the world, isn't it? Um, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. You, you are the light of the world. But God is light. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is light. Hey, Bobo, you're saying, I know Jesus is light, right? Because Jesus says in John 8 and 12, Jesus spoke again to the people and he said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but you will have the light of life. He came that we have life. But again, we're told that we also are the light. In 2 Corinthians, it says this, For God, who said, Let the light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. And so when we go out there, we should be light wherever we are, that the people would see that light in us. And light, what does light do? It reveals truth and goodness and righteousness and joy. It dispels darkness, ignorance, evil, despair, depravity, hopelessness. Light, that's why over and over, we, uh, light is, is uh, presented to us. But a town on a hill can't be hidden. And so if you've gone through Israel, you would see there, there'd be a hill, and on the hill would be all these white buildings, and it would stand out. You could see it from everywhere, and at night, you'd see the glow of light. The people of God are like God's light shining wherever we are. Um, it, it, it is, uh, we're, we're to be out there to bring that joy and that knowledge and that understanding and that care and that love and everything that is good and pure and holy and righteous we're to be those representatives showing that off. And, and he says this, you know, if you don't, you don't take a light and put it uh, in a place and cover it over so it can't shine. I mean, that's ridiculous. The whole point of the light is to shine, to give light to everyone in the house. And, and so we're called to do that, to let our light shine before people. And the bottom line for that is this. For God who said, uh, let the light shine out of darkness in our hearts. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going the wrong way. The bottom line is God is to be accepted and honored. When the light is seen, when people see, here's what he says. In the same way, Jesus said, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See, what Jesus wants to do is put us on display before the world as his people, collectively. He wants the world to see us and, and to hear us and to see him. And, and when they do this, they see the Father in us. They see the Son in us. And, and what happens is they see our good deeds. And, and I hope that wherever you work and in your home and in your neighborhood, people know you as a person who is a person of light, 
who helps, who cares, who loves, who's righteous, who, who uh, elevates people, who encourages people, who helps people, all of that kind of thing. And when they see that, what they will do is they'll glorify our God in heaven. What, what does that mean? They'll honor him. They'll know who he is. They'll appreciate him. They'll receive his salvation. Uh, their lives will be radically transformed because he expects us to have an impact in the world as salt and light. Now, now salt tastes good. Salt is something that we can taste, and, ex- and, and, and light is something that we can see. Both of them are experiences of God's salvation. And, uh, and our, ho- our homes ought to be places of salt and light. Our workplaces, as we take that in, our church. It's interesting, when we look at our church, um, we're the salt of the earth. We have a life group, or we, we have life groups. It should be the salt of the earth and the light of Christ in there. Our youth are away, uh, those who are on the retreat. And, and uh, they're, they're a place where people should come into, the, their friends should come into the life group and see there's something different about these people. This, there's, there's salt and light there. Um, in our men's group, in our women's group, in all of the subgroups within our church, we recognize that we're there um, to be salt and light. You know, our vision was this, to touch our world through Jesus one life at a time. Touch our world, to have an impact. That's what we are called to do, to make a difference. And... Uh, and I can remember one of our Alpha experiences. Um, a man came who, he had family members who were Christians. He'd never been that. He was, at the time, I would say about 60-ish. And um, he decided he would come to Alpha after having been invited. And he had such a good time interacting, listening, discussing, and talking. And as the uh, the end of the the, the course came, I said to him, let's sit down and chat. I said, what, what do you make of this? I mean, here's a guy who had Christian uh, family members and all his life, up to 60, he's never done anything about it. He said, you know what? It, this really makes a lot of sense to me. And he said, I'm in. I had the joy of hearing him offer that prayer to open his heart to Jesus Christ. He got into a group saw some salt and life and light and enjoyed it. And what was one of the most beautiful things, uh, he had a grandson who was, uh, you know, about, uh, I think about nine or ten years old. He had been praying for his grandpa for the last few years. And he asked when his grandpa got baptized if he could pray. And that little kid went up, took and prayed for his grandfather, who came through an Alpha course, through the prayers of a little kid. Um, Isn't that incredible? Now see, Jesus is more concerned about what I'm talking about than we are. And we need to get on page with him. And and so what do we do this? What do we do about this? I want to give just a couple things that, that I would like you to do. If your heart is not as warm as it should be, Would you pray and ask God to warm your heart and give you a concern and a love and a care for those whom 
who, who don't really have this yet. The second thing I want you to do is, as I said before, to consider maybe inviting some to Alpha or going to Alpha yourself. And the third thing that I would like to ask you to do is this. Next Sunday night at 6 till 7.15, I'm, going, I'm inviting all of you to come and meet with us here at the church. And I want to help to lay a foundation for you uh, for those of us who are not maybe extroverts, those of us who are not uh, bold and all the rest, to see how God can use us and take some measured steps. I'm not going to ask you to do anything that, uh, that uh, you don't want to do. I'm not gonna, I don't have a big ask for you, but it's a place of starting. And I want to uh, ask you if you would come and give us an hour and a quarter of your time. It'll be interactive. We'll have some discussion and talking. And uh, I'm asking God to take and help us to become the people that he wants us to be and to be able to reach out and make a difference for Christ. Would you do that? I, I ask you from the bottom of my heart uh, with, with concern that we would be better equipped to be salt and light as we look and see what, see what God has uh, said and what he's doing among us. Okay. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you so much um, that somebody loved us enough and cared enough about us to engage us, to be a good example, to reach out with love, to share the good news of Jesus. And, and that's why we're here, all of us, this whole group of people. Father, I pray that you would help us. Uh, Lord, some of us are, are a little nervous about some of these things. Some of us are are uh, just don't feel like courage is rising in our heart. Father, I pray that you would help us um, to find out how we can participate better in this great endeavor of fulfilling your mission and being the people that you use to help us, to help others come to know Jesus. And so I, I pray, Father, that you would, as a church, help us as we take seriously this command of Christ that we would see this fulfilled in a beautiful and powerful way. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.